where we began to see some moments on the the multimedia side, what eventually became named is is interactive, is that early 2000s, mid 2000s, when we started pushing more into social media, uh, when social media was you know becoming a thing, and the the technology portion of that, where after Twitter gained so much traction in 2007, so much traction within this community, every startup wanted to come to South by Southwest to experience that same bump. Every VC wanted to come to South by Southwest to discover the next Twitter. So again, that was a, a huge inflection point. Welcome to season four of Perpetual, where you'll get the hottest takes and insights on what's happening in the constantly shifting world of media and marketing. I'm Adam Ryan. Let's go. You, thank you so much for coming on the show. I, I really appreciate taking the time and uh, I've been looking forward to this one for a while. Thanks, Adam. It is great to be here. Thanks for having me on. A, a big honor. I appreciate it. Uh, well, jumping into it, I I can't tell anyone I, I live in Austin and someone not say like, oh, what about South by, right? And, and it's almost attached to the city in many ways. And when thinking about that and the process and for everyone building companies and, and doing that, that moment going from, is this going to be a thing to like, wow, this is like a thing. We actually have momentum. We have a company. We have we have a moment in, in culture. When was that moment where you went from this is a maybe to this is a something? Uh, was there anything specific that stuck out in the journey for you? I mean, South by Southwest has many moments. The event started way back in 1987. And I think a lot of people don't quite understand the history of the event, that it went that far back. Uh, it was a music-only event in the early years, or uh, it, you know, in the context of your show, we were called South by Southwest Music and Media Conference. So there was a music focus and there was a media co- uh, focus. It resonated initially with the music community. The first year, they're expecting like 300 people and 700 people showed up or, or bought badges. So again, some pretty strong initial alignment with this community and uh, resonance. I've always been a little more aligned with the tech portion of the event, which started as called multimedia in 1994. We did not, we did not resonate with our audience for quite a while. We struggled to kind of find our place. You know, I always used to joke or, or lament or whatever, depending on what mood I was in that, uh, you know, the, and movie stars and rock stars, and then we had the geeks over in the corner, and they did not mix at all. But in terms of you know where we began to see some moments on the the multimedia side, what eventually became named is is interactive. Is that early two thousands, mid two thousands, when we started pushing more into social media, uh, when social media was you know becoming a thing, and then certainly. 2007, when Twitter kind of launched to South by Southwest, I mean, there's definitely a before and after to the the South by Southwest story there and the the technology portion of that, where after Twitter gained so much traction in 2007, so much traction within this community, small traction compared to where it eventually went, um, every startup wanted to come to South by Southwest to experience that same bump. Every VC wanted to come to South by Southwest to the discover the next Twitter. So again, that was a, a huge inflection point. We kind of saw that again in 2015 
when we had a a startup called Meerkat that got a huge push out of South by Southwest. Most people have forgotten what Meerkat is or was. Maybe you're nodding your head, so I guess it's still... I remember so, downloading it that year. I think I had my phone for about three months like everyone else. But But the stars aligned on that one also. It got a huge pop out of the event. Meerkat, for those who don't remember or don't... don't never, never downloaded it, was this live streaming, live blogging platform. The popularity of it at South by Southwest um, essentially pushed Twitter to release what was their thing called uh, that was th- th- their live blogging thing. It's uh, escaping me now because I think it's it all was in response to that essentially. Um, and so, but yeah, that Meerkat was like the most downloaded app for I mean many months, uh, and it, no one knew it before the before South by. We had a, a part in that, but they also, uh, I think they got reviewed on product launch the week before or something. So it just kind of was a perfect storm. So, I mean, this is a long answer to your short question. There have been several very strong inflection points for the technology portion of the event, music portion of the event uh, started strong and inflection points there when there have been bands break or big bands play at the event, which has been fairly frequent on the film and TV side of things. They have had a strong, rich history. Certainly, you know, one of their big moments was last year when Everything Everywhere All at Once had a huge night of the Academy Awards, and that was the opening night film in 2022. Watching something that, you know, you basically dream up and hope to come to life, like, what was the kind of moments Twitter specifically, right? I think like I, I kind of thinking about my own South by Moments, I think about the Edward Snowden interview also <laughs> like transcending kind of like my my family in Missouri was like, wait, what about that? You know, uh, there was like these moments there. But when you when you go through those, there's there's this live production element, which we all know, like you can't take anything for granted, uh, one. Um, but there's also this like, build up and anticipation and, and, and the relationships around everything that goes into it. How do you kind of the development over time really adjust and prepare for those, those moments that you potentially expect to happen? Well, I, I think that um, we're hopefully a little more adept at understanding what those moments will be or may be as South by Southwest now. And that is again, in the context of uh, Twitter in 2007, that, I don't think we knew beforehand, or I'm pretty sure we knew, but didn't know beforehand how impactful that was going to be. And the story that you may have heard me say before, you know, Ev Williams from Twitter had been coming to Austin for South by Southwest for several years and had a lot of these really cool, neat, media-related startup projects that didn't gain a whole lot of traction outside of this, the, the, the very tuned-in community at South by Southwest. So... There was not a whole lot of reason to think that this new thing that he had was going to be any different, but it was. I do think there's also a through line that some of the startups that particularly are the technology startups that have had the most pop as helped by Southwest are technology startups that help people experience, absorb, process the event itself. So 
Twitter 2007, people could use it immediately to see, you know, what parties their friends are at, are at where they're going, what sessions they're in that are good or not so good. Two years later, you had Foursquare, which had a lot of the same functionality um, for people who don't remember Foursquare or, or haven't checked in on it recently. And it was this check-in app. Uh, so you could see where your friends had, what restaurants they'd been to, what bars they'd been to. Become the mayor of a, a restaurant. By <laughs> yeah, the time. That turned out really well, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, it, yeah. it seemed like it would. It just didn't quite ever pop as much outside the, the immediate South by Southwest circle. And, and easier said than done when people ask me, you know, how can your startup, how can you develop a startup that will have the most pop at South by Southwest? I'm like, well, figure out a startup that helps people better experience the event, better absorb the event. You know, one that's that's not probably not well or, or certainly not as well known as the Twitter stuff was Airbnb had their first customer at South by Southwest, which was Ryan Chesky running to himself, I think. Um, that's awesome. But, you know, that was an extreme pain point at South by Southwest for many years of just lack of hotel rooms or lack of lodging. And so, hey, here's something that will help help that. So, again, if you want to strike a rich South by Southwest or, or have a startup that, that has uh, lots of VCs begging to get involved, figure out something that will help attendees better maximize their experience at the event. You know, the, the Airbnb, and I did not know that story, but as a local, I think we all went through potentially as locals. Uh, we were like, okay, uh, I'll stay for music, but not interactive or vice versa. And uh, I think we rented in 20, maybe 15, we rented out our place for like three months of rent for like five days. And everyone was like, this is the greatest thing that ever happened. But it's amazing that, you know, one of the things that I think about South by is, you know, one of the most valuable things anybody can do is create a platform that creates so much more value than they actually consume themselves. And that was a great example of like local Austinites really embraced that and it like changed a lot of like how we we thought I feel feel like thought about the event and it helped in so many different ways of both attending and and allowing guests to come. Yeah, certainly with the increase in downtown number of downtown hotel rooms, i.e. number of downtown hotels, I get less people <laughs> talking to me about Hey, you, you know, you paid for, as you said, three months of my rent last year because I rented my place out during South by Southwest. It was a real thing. It was awesome. I I think though that's like re- very representative of of the 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 culture that from an outsider's perspective, it, you know, there's always this innovation that comes with the event. Uh there's always feels like there's something new either through it, with it. Uh, I can I can talk about activations that I've seen. But you know, I'll be curious from your perspective. You know, every year there's like kind of something that people talk about and it, it, it is like the thing that takes over Twitter. How much of that is is your team helping prep with partners and coming up with that? How much of that, you know, like, you know, it has such an impact on the on the festival itself. How much do you all think about and work with your partners on on trying to help them create those moments within the event? We certainly work with partners more and more now in terms of trying to create those moments, trying to create experiences, activations that will break through the noise. That said, I think the ones that are most powerful are the ones that, again, just happen organically or have the, you know, again, that whatever that is that attendees really want. And sometimes that's easy to see from the outside. 
Other times it's obvious in retrospect, but it wasn't so obvious going into it. So uh, again, I, I mean, I think that in our best days, we are authentic. There's a degree of authenticity to the event. And again, that that reflects that these things that break through are, are more often than not, there's an organicness to that as opposed to, you know, yeah, we completely planned that out. No, in most cases, we didn't. One of the words I wrote down when, when thinking about this conversation, I wrote down the word vibes. Authenticity is probably a better word for that. But you've expanded in multiple ways, right? You've done cross categories now in a category expansion, but also obviously the size. Um, I mean, it just continues to to be something. How, you know, as a kind of tentpole of keeping that authenticity, have you created certain constraints or boundaries or like operations to like maintain that, um, that the user experience, it still is very much felt? I think that is certainly one of the biggest challenges, ongoing challenges of the event is that, you know, it's neat to continue to grow. It's neat how many people are coming to Austin for the event. It's neat to get on cool podcasts and talk about the event. But at the same time, uh, we know that in real life, communities are difficult and challenging to scale and that the more people <laughs> doesn't necessarily make for a better experience. So um, I think our continued task and, and what we continue to lean into in the vernacular is how do you create what is this big event, but then break it down into much, much smaller components that are more digestible, more absorbable, more enjoyable for more people. Part of that is doing more within the conference program, more meetups that, again, allow you to, to or allow an attendee to, hey, I want to connect with people who are working with AI and food. Okay, I'll go to that meetup. Um that's helped a lot. Um, it's helped a lot as we've seen more activations take over downtown, more international or place-driven houses, whether it's the German house, Australia house, Canada house. Again, those are great ways to connect with specific people from specific regions. I, I think those are some of our most effective strategies in terms of helping people absorb and enjoy process the event. I went to the Midwest house last year on rainy. I mean, it's actually a brilliant strategy. Uh, it, was, it was awesome. I actually went alone. I didn't have anyone there. I was like, I feel like I can meet somebody. It was a, it was actually really cool. It had all sorts of different things and the geographical play of, of people traveling in. It's the scaling, scaling intimacy a little bit, I think is like the, the tackle with all those community plays, but I remember going, or, or <laughs> I have a memory of the Midwest House from 2022, which was also in Rady, and it was a night that a cold front came through, and it was like one of the coldest nights I've ever experienced. More because you know it was like it was a nice day, and then as these spring cold fronts go, it it goes from 60 to 25 in this in the space of three or four hours, and you're not quite prepared for it. And yeah, I <laughs> that's a memory that. Uh, we'll stick for a while. You know, I think like with with exactly what you mentioned around the strategy, those little tiny moments of feeling like this is for me is really hard to scale, but that's the that's kind of the beauty. And then 
you also still have, I mean, the, the, the keynotes and the flat, you know, the big things that you can't feel anywhere else in the, the culture of the, the larger audience. And I think the, the balance of that is like, obviously been taking consideration and I, it comes through quite a bit, you know, with the thinking about this, about, I remember the downtown office being built across from the chili parlor and uh, that, and then COVID hit. And it was like right around that same time. And now you're, you know, a few years out from that, uh, from the outside looking in, you know, 2022 was an amazing year. Uh, yeah, I thought it bounced back great. Fil- a film, as you mentioned, had a wonderful moment. But you had a lot of hard decisions in that COVID time period. It was last minute. It was you had a big team. When you look back at those decisions, what did you think you really made that was right that allowed you guys to kind of bounce back when the time was when was time was appropriate? We pride ourselves at South by Southwest, or, or I often say, you know, we are a preview of the future in our, in our best days. And unfortunately, that was the case with COVID also in the sense that um, a lot of people when South by Southwest canceled or was canceled, that was their, a lot of people in the U.S., that was their first, you know, like, oh shit moment, this thing is real. Um, it was the oh shit moment for sure. <laughs> I, I remember it was like the two nights before the NBA canceled and it was like, okay, well, that, you know, maybe, but then when South by Southwest canceled, there were so many people who were like, wow, this is real. For us, it was real also in the sense that we had to immediately lay off about a third of our staff, which was heartbreaking. People that you worked with for many years, um, but not having an event that was where the bulk of our income derives from, there was no other choice there. Um, there's also just the the challenge that the rhythm of what we work, we're, we're taking eight, nine, 10 months to put something together and then you do it. It's, it's, you know, <laughs> this, the, the labor metaphor, but uh, it, it turns out generally pretty good and you're resolved. And then, and for the 2020 event, you worked on it for eight to 10 months and you, you never had this, the release moment. So that was incredibly tough. Also, we came back in 2021 with an all virtual event as with a lot of events at that point, I think that in many ways that worked out better than what we expected, but that's in the context that we had, uh, we didn't have, you know, huge expectations for that, but certainly one of the, the great things about the all virtual event is that, it eliminated one of the long time pain points of South by Southwest, which is that, you know, hey, I really wanted to see the blank blank keynote, but I couldn't get in. So virtually in a virtual event, anyone can get in. 2022 was the, uh, we embraced what everyone else in the event world was embracing or almost everyone else, which was this concept of hybrid, which is half virtual, half real life. And that turns out to be like, 30 times as much work gets as so hard. <laughs> well, I'm glad that went to the wayside. Yeah. Um, but it was the, the in-person uh, experience in 2022 was uh, strong. Um, 2023, last year's event was uh, stronger in terms of, or bigger than 2022. Um, certainly in 2023, we had the small challenge of, Silicon Valley Bank um, having its crisis on the first day of South by Southwest. Anyway, uh, this is all to say it's been a long road back from the challenges of the pandemic with South by Southwest, as with you know almost every other business in the 
in the U.S. and in the world. We're looking forward to the upcoming event in 2024. Um, think that we uh, will probably get closer and closer to where we were uh, size-wise in 2019. That's it. I also want to say that it's never been about numbers. It's been about producing a quality experience and uh, pretty confident that, that we're going to produce that in 2024. There's an, always an aspect of quality. I mean, even virtually or qual- uh, virtual production is always like, I mean, I, I, I mentioned the Snowden interview, but like, it was amazing to watch the production of that even happen. But like the twenty twenty, you don't want to know about the duct tape behind the scene on that one, Adam. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> that, well, I'm glad you're human. Like the rest of us that have to do those types of things. Cause I was like, yeah, I, I know the lift that that has to be. And it, it came off good. Uh, but what was that? You know, just for the context of the audience, I think it was in, I think that was 2016 right around there. Uh, 2015, uh, I think 15. Okay. 15. Um, it was Snowden's first appearance since he'd gone underground in Russia. It certainly seemed incredibly relevant, or I thought it was incredibly relevant. We made the 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 uh, call that it was incredibly relevant. It was not particularly popular with a lot of uh, elected leaders in the U.S., I will say. But the issues of privacy that he was talking about and continues to talk about, I think, are... are very, very relevant. And, and when I say you don't want to know about the the duct tape behind the scene, obviously he was piped in because he was in Russia. Uh, we did several tests on this. Every time we did a test, it crashed. <laughs> the The feed crashed. And so we're, you know, couldn't postpone anymore. The show has to go on. And somehow the feed stayed up for an hour when he was speaking. So that was neat. I don't know if that was... By design, I mean, we we had, had a very robust <laughs> connection and lots of layers of redundancy. But again, in all the rehearsals, the layers did not withstand whatever was whatever tests were being put on the system, and somehow it worked um, on site. And uh, you know, appreciate the nice words for people such as yourself who were there watching it. Um, it looked like it was, you know, and <laughs> you were not necessarily aware of all the. Uh, wire duct tape uh behind the scenes there's a lot of people that throw events that listen to this podcast and they, all of us are uh ducks right uh it's <laughs> um and so i think that's a very relatable experience you know uh just taking a little bit of a, a question about the business you've expanded uh, as we talked about you have so many different speakers and value props you also i think have started offering uh, attendees so much more value. There's uh, apps and maps and all these things that uh, attendees can do to make that experience even better. When you think about the cost of investment of uh, attendee experience and sponsors and integration of content and, and that aspect, and there's a little bit of a question about today and like 30 years ago of, of when you were new, I think it's is also just as interesting for the audience. But when you when you think about the margin of what you allowed yourselves of ticket price and sponsors, and then the investment in that experience, do you do you have a balance that you try to weigh with that? Um, and has that evolved from 30 years ago to today? <laughs> yes, there is a balance. And yes, it has evolved significantly from 30 years ago to where we are now. I often talk about how the badge price and the overall cost of attending an event like 
or, or South by Southwest, I won't say an amount like South by Southwest, very much parallels the challenges we've seen in the city of Austin, where Austin's value proposition for so many years, and probably when you moved here in 2013, was it's this really cool place and it's pretty cheap to live here, right? In 2024, it is still a really, really cool place. It is not necessarily cheap, <laughs> not so cheap anymore. And with South by Southwest, it used to be, or, or 10, 15 years ago, it was a you know relatively cheap event to, or inexpensive event to attend. Our ticket prices have gone up. Hotel prices have gone up even more significantly. And so it is, again, it is much more of an investment for people to attend the event now. I, I fully think, believe that it is a very worthwhile investment. That said, you know, in a in a in an economy that's having some challenges now, and particularly having challenges in the tech industry, which has helped South by Southwest grow for so many years, people really have to do some heavy thinking about is this a investment that's gonna play out for me? And to that extent, my advice for anyone thinking about South by Southwest or anyone thinking about any event is Map out beforehand what what you want to achieve, what your goals are, who you want to meet, who you want to learn, as opposed to just kind of like, well, I'm going to show up and see what happens. And I think that gives you a much better idea of, is this worth it for the amount of money I'm going to uh, invest in this thing? I went to one meeting last year that I got through as an attendee, and I remember looking at Becca, my co-founder, I was like, well, that was worth that meeting. Um, <laughs> and I think, you know, I think that's how that when you can have, be in a city uh, where truly it's like everyone is there and curated, it's it's not about opportunity. It's about like the action that you take on it. It takes it takes a little bit of planning and work. I think that was really nice. When you think about uh, the future of South by and then the larger media industry as a whole, what? gets you just really excited over the next uh, five to seven years uh, what is what's sticking out to you that you're like wow this is this is going to be something that really helps us well I think about since November 2022 when chat GPT hit the scene we have been in this entirely new world where it was talked about for quite a while many many years many decades and now it's a real life thing that Wow, AI is really has a lot of potential. I can see just a small part of that potential. And on the one hand, any kind of tech trend, any kind of tech hype is probably good for us at South by Southwest or good for other events that cover technology. But I'll also say that I think the the prospect of a, a world that is increasingly automated, that algorithms can uh, have an increasingly significant role in is also good for events like South by Southwest because ultimately what South by Southwest is is these face-to-face, person-to-person connections, which we can't yet replicate with our machines, with our computers. Uh, I mean, there, there's that degree of irony that South by Southwest often focuses on these technologies, but ultimately, you know, focuses on, well, the biggest technology is just face-to-face interaction. So that gets me excited that uh, I think face-to-face interactions, people-to-people connections are going to 
be even more meaningful, even more important as we, uh, as AI and algorithms grow in importance also. I also think that, you know, a lot of these new technologies that we're seeing um, and particularly seeing Pop in Austin, i.e. EVs with, with everything that Tesla is doing, more focus on uh, life science technologies, health and med tech, uh, a lot of great quantum stuff that's coming out of Austin. I mean, South by Southwest has always been a huge reflection of the creativity, innovation in Austin. And I think the city is will continue to be a, a leader in the U.S. and leader in the world in terms of next generation thinking. So that gets me really excited also. South by Southwest represents, I think you you said it earlier, right? The future of what's to come. And I think Austin's growth has a lot to think to the festival itself. But for everyone uh, attending this year uh, that is planning attending, please reach out to me. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna definitely uh, get a group together of, of attendees. And uh, also, if 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 you haven't considered it, uh, it definitely is an in a, it's an event and 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 moment and week. Whether you're there for the fun side of music or you're there to meet and, and network uh, on the other side and it's still pretty fun, but it's a different, different space, but um, it's quite valuable and, and something I, I continue to enjoy year over year. But thank you so much, uh, Hugh, for, for coming on the podcast and look forward to see you at the event. Thank you, Adam, for having me on. This has been a fun conversation and uh, hope you have a, a great South by Southwest 2024. I hope the community listening, listening comes to Austin if you have questions about South by Southwest, you can always find information at sxsw.com or just connect with me, Hugh at sxsw.com, Hugh at sxsw.com. I love it. Also, a founder of a company that's 30 years in and still gives uh, an email address out as someone that has uh, my, my heart uh, of work ethic. So thank you for that. And uh, we will talk soon. All good. Thanks for listening. If you want deep insight and hot takes on the world of media, make sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever you listen. And if you enjoyed this episode, share with a friend. I'll see you next time.